Section 4 of The Science History of the Universe, Volume 8. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Science History of the Universe, Volume 8, edited by Francis Rolt Wheeler. Chapter 2. Calculation, Part 2. Lucas de Burgo called the third form lattice multiplication. The multiplicand is the outside top horizontal row, the multiplier the outside right vertical column. The product of any figure of the multiplicand by a figure of the multiplier is found in the square formed by the intersection of the column and row in which the figures are multiplied and found. Thus, 9 times 2 is found in the third column from the left, and the second row from the bottom. These products are added in the oblique columns cut out by the diagonal lines to the left. Less purely mental work is performed in this method than in either of the other two. Napier, the inventor of logarithms, made use of this method in a device called Napier's rods, which were usually of bone, and enabled the operator to perform the multiplications mechanically. From these methods was evolved the modern form as in addition and subtraction the numbers are broken up into orders four hundred and thirty seven times fifty six results in the first line two thousand six hundred and twenty two the second line two thousand one hundred and eighty five added together twenty four thousand four hundred and seventy two four hundreds three tens seven ones times five tens and six ones results in twenty four hundreds eighteen tens forty two ones or twenty thousands fifteen hundreds and thirty five tens or forty two ones is four tens plus two ones eighteen tens plus four tens equals twenty two tens is two hundreds plus two tens twenty four hundreds plus two hundreds equals twenty six hundreds equals two thousand plus six hundreds in the second row of partial products thirty five tens equals three hundreds and five tens fifteen hundred plus three hundred equals eighteen hundred equals one thousands plus eight hundreds twenty thousands plus one thousands equal twenty one thousands equals two ten thousands plus one thousands the two partial products then appear thus and are added first row two thousand six hundred and twenty two second row two thousand one hundred and eighty five resulting in twenty four thousand four hundred and seventy two the product of any two whole numbers is a whole number the product of zero and any whole number is zero the inverse operation of multiplication is called division in its simplest form, it is repeated subtraction. If it is asked how many twos in eight, the answer would be determined by subtracting two from eight in succession as many times as possible, noting the number of times, four, as the answer. Division has two phases. One may think of finding how many times one number is contained in another, which is division proper, a species of measurement or one may wish to divide a number into equal parts, the number of such parts being given. The form is called partition, 
with abstract numbers no such distinction need be made but with concrete numbers it is important the name of the number to be divided is dividend of the dividing number divisor and of the resulting number quotient if any part of the dividend is left undivided it is called the remainder there are various signs used to indicate division eight over two or eight slash two may be regarded as indicating that eight is to be divided by two as also eight colon two the sign in general use the division sign was used by dr john pell sixteen ten to sixteen eighty five although this sign has been in use with other meaning by earlier german writers three methods or algorithms for what is now termed long division deserve to be mentioned one of the epic-making works on arithmetic was written by lucia pacciolo a franciscan monk this book published in venice in 1494 gives the first of these methods the galley or scratch method a dividing upward it is a relic of the old method of reckoning on sand where the figure is scratched out as soon as used the above example of the method is from Purbach. thus to divide fifty nine thousand and seventy eight by seventy four in the first step seven is divided into fifty nine and the quotient seven is written seven sevens are forty nine forty nine from fifty nine is ten which is written above fifty nine the dividend is ten slash now slash zero seven eight seven fours are twenty eight twenty eight from a hundred is seventy two which is written still above the last dividend the new dividend is seven slash slash to slash now slash seven eight and the division continues each figure being scratched out as soon as used the first downward division the present italian method appears in a printed arithmetic by calandri fourteen ninety one although it is found occasionally in manuscript form during the fifteenth century consider the following example seventy four into fifty nine thousand and seventy eight from seven hundred and ninety eight two over seven six over four results in five one eight results in seven two seven and six 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 results in six one eight five nine two with a remainder of twenty six one shows the completed form of solution and two the successive steps obtained by separating the number into orders seventy four seven tens four units into fifty nine thousand and seventy eight five ten thousands nine thousands zero hundreds seven tens eight units then seven hundreds nine tens and eight units the three lines show the partial product in the three stages of its reduction the third or austrian method consists in omitting the partial products and performing the subtraction at once comparing the three methods as to two points one beginning on the left to subtract the partial product two writing the partial product the following scheme will show their relations one the galley method yes the italian method no austrian method no two the galley method no the italian method 
Yes. The Austrian method? No. The galley method is so-called on account of the final form which resembles a boat under full sail. The Austrian method, which probably will ultimately replace the Italian, is constructed from a combination of the best features of both the older methods, two of the galley and one of the Italian. As in the inverse process of subtraction, it was found that the operation did not always result in a natural number, and it was necessary to create a new kind of number, the negative, thus widening the number system to form the class of whole numbers or integers. It is to be expected that a like condition exists in the case of division. If two be divided by one, the quotient is two. But if one attempts to divide one by two, no corresponding whole number is found. Considering the second phase of division, the separating of a number into two equal parts, it is agreed to let this quotient be a number such that it requires two of them to make one, or unity. This new number is named one-half, and written by putting the number divided above a short horizontal line, and the divisor below the line, as one over two. The class of such numbers is called fractions, from the Latin frangieri, to break. The number below the line is called the denominator, or namer, telling what the part is. The number above the line tells how many parts are taken, and is called the numerator, or number. This function of the numerator will be apparent later. The first widening of the number system, which arose in the case of the inverse operation, subtraction, created exactly as many new numbers as there were already in the system before the new numbers entered. Every combination of two numbers with a minus sign between them gives a positive or natural number, when the larger number appears before the sign, and a negative, that is, a new number, when the smaller number comes first. In division, the case is the exception, rather than the rule, where either order of the numbers results in a whole number, as 3 over 2 and 2 over 3, and if one order does so result, the other does not, as 8 over 2 and 2 over 8. It is apparent, then, that the new numbers taken in under the name fraction are infinitely greater in number when compared with the number already in. A fraction may be interpreted in any one of three ways. The fraction 3 over 2 may be thought of as 1, 3 units divided into 2 equal parts, 2, 1 unit divided into 2 equal parts, and 3 of these parts taken as 3 times 1 over 2, and 3, in an indicated division not yet performed. The distinction between 1 and 2 may be seen from a figure where unity, or 1, is represented by a line 1 centimeter in length. If the numerator of a fraction is 1, it is called a unit fraction, as 1 over 2, or 1 over 7, or 1 over 8. A proper fraction has a numerator less than its denominator, as in 1 over 7, 2 over 3, 3 over 12. All other fractions are improper, as in 8 over 3, 5 over 2, 4 over 2. Such a fraction can always be changed to either a whole number, as in 4 over 2 equals 2, or a whole number and a unit fraction, as in 3 over 2 equals 1 and 1 half. 
The whole numbers were represented by dots, arranged on a line at equal intervals extending to the right and left indefinitely from a chosen dot mark zero, or zero. The creation of the number one-half introduces a point midway between zero and one, and by combination with each of the whole numbers, in the manner three over two equals one and a half, also places a point midway in each interval. The fraction one-quarter places a point halfway from zero to one-half. By continuing this process, it is seen that distance between the dots representing fractions is made smaller and smaller, as the various fractions take their places on the line. When all of the fractions have been represented, if one chooses a particular dot, say 3 over 7, one can always find another dot among those placed whose distance from the given dot 3 over 7 is less than any assigned length of line. The proof of this may be put in the form of conversation between A and B. If the dot 1 is 1 inch from the dot 0, A is to show that a dot may be found in the collection of dots which represent fractions which shall be nearer to the dot 3 over 7 than any fractional part of an inch which B may name. B says, is there a dot nearer to 3 over 7 than 1 over 10 of an inch? A's reply is, choose the dot 31 over 70, whose distance from 3 over 7 is 1 over 70. B then says, find me a dot nearer than 1 over 100 of an inch. A's answer is, the dot 3 over 1 over 700 is only 1 700th of an inch from 3 over 7, and so forth for any value B may name. The dots are said to be dense and it might be thought that the whole line is filled up, that it has become a continuous line rather than a collection of discrete dots. But such is not the case. There are infinitely more dots on the line that do not represent fractions than there are dots that do represent them. The third of the inverse processes, evolution, will reveal the existence of the missing dots, and by its aid they, as a new type of number, will be included in the number system, which will then be represented by a continuous line. Fractions are treated in the most ancient mathematical handbook known, written by an Egyptian scribe, Amos or Moonborn, sometime before 1700 BC. This papyrus, now preserved in the British Museum, is entitled Directions for Obtaining the Knowledge of All Dark Things, and covers practically the whole extent of Egyptian mathematics no substantial advances being made until the time of Greek influence. Another papyrus, that found at Atmin, written perhaps after 500 AD, gives the same treatment of fractions as is found in the work of Amos. Thus Egyptian mathematics was in its most flourishing condition when Abram left Ur in the Chaldees, and remained stationary for a thousand years. See frontispiece. The writer gives, in most cases, no general rule for obtaining results, simply a succession of like problems, the easy step of generalizing by induction seemingly beyond his power. Whole numbers receive no treatment. The work, beginning with fractions, 
which subject was evidently very difficult, as the author confines his attention solely to unit fractions and fractions with numerator 2. Fractions of the latter type are changed into the sum of two or more unit fractions. Thus, Amas changed 2 over 9 into 1 over 6 and 1 over 18, and gives a table of such changes of fractions between 2 over 3 and 2 over 99. By the aid of this table, any fraction of odd denominator could be so broken up. In this way, Amos could solve such a problem as divide 5 by 21. The 5 is first broken into 2 and 2 and 1. From the table is found 2 over 21 equals 1 over 14 and 1 over 42. 5 over 21 equals 1 over 21 and in parentheses, 1 over 14 and 1 over 42, and, in parentheses, 1 over 14 and 1 over 42 equals 1 over 21, and, in parentheses, 2 over 14 and 2 over 42 equals 1 over 21 and 1 over 7 and 1 over 21 equals 1 over 7 and 2 over 21 equals 1 over 7 and 1 over 14 and 1 over 42. The fractions were written side by side, with no sign for addition between them. While the Egyptians met the difficulties of fractions by reducing them to fractions having a constant numerator, 1. The Babylonians avoided the same difficulties by treating only fractions with a fixed denominator, 60. And the Romans also used a single denominator, 12. The usual rule for the division of fractions by inverting the divisor and then multiplying is not common in the textbooks of the 16th century. It is given as follows by Theerfelden, 1578. When the denominators are different, invert the divisor, which you are to place at the right, and multiply the numbers above together and the numbers below together. Then you have the correct result. As to divide three-quarters by five-eighths, invert thus. Three-quarters times eight over five equals twenty-four over twenty equals one over one-fifth. The close of the eighth century found the Hindu decimal notation practically perfect as a means of writing whole numbers. The final perfection of the method by applying it to fractions in the form of decimals did not occur until the time of Simon Stevin. 1548 to 1620. In seven pages of his work, published in 1585, Stevin leaped what had been an impassable gap for 900 years. The reason for this pause is not difficult to determine. In decimal fractions or decimals, unity or one is divided into ten equal parts, each part called a tenth. A tenth is divided into ten equal parts, and each part called a hundredth. Thus the orders on the right of the unit's column are symmetrically named, adding the suffix th with those on the right. As the number of orders on the left is unlimited, so the number of orders on the right is unbounded, and one is enabled to write numbers of unlimitedly small value. The smaller the value of the number, less than one, the larger the number of orders required to express it. The unit's column is marked by placing a period after it. Sometimes the period is midway between the top and bottom line of the type, as 3.8, but ordinarily it is written on the baseline as 
for three and eight tenths. In reading decimals, the decimal point is always read and. In the first grouping of units, there was no reason for putting ten in a group rather than any other number, the use of ten simply growing out of the use of the hands as a counting machine. In fact, it would have greatly simplified some applications of the number system if primitive mathematicians had been born with six fingers on each hand. A duodecimal or twelve scale would enable the writing of such common fractions as one-third, two-thirds, one-sixth, or duodecimally in the form of point four, point eight, point two, whereas decimally they have a continually recurring set of figures, one-third equals point three 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 three, etc., one-sixth equals point one six six six, etc., Charles the Twelfth of Sweden, a short time before his death, while lying in the trenches before a Norwegian fortress, seriously debated introducing the duodecimal system of numeration into his dominions. On the other hand, there is a very decisive predetermining feature in the case of the division of the unit. Necessity arose for having or dividing objects into two equal parts long before separation into ten parts was even thought of while the difficulty of dividing into ten equal parts is apparent. The use of the period, or comma, to mark the unit order, began with Pitiscus, 1612, with all the advantages of the decimal notation carried to the right of the units column. It was not until the 19th century that decimals came into ordinary arithmetic. End of section 4